0: The Lord is slow to anger. A God of extraordinary patience, and for centuries and generations, the people tested God's patience and regularly invited his judgment. God didn't abandon them. Even sending his son ultimately to die for a people who were entirely undeserving.
1: Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. We come to the patience of God as we continue our look at God's characteristics and attributes. And Jonathan, uh, sometimes it's easy to look at the sin of this world and the ugliness and the messiness of it and say, why does God allow that to continue as he does? I mean, God could put an end to evil in a second, in a moment, if he so chose to. Um, it sounds like part of the reason he does that, you're saying, is because he is a God of patience.
0: Well, I think that's the answer we get from Scripture, but we do have that feeling sometimes, don't we? If we're believing people who recognize that there is a there is a judgment to come, as we look out on the wickedness of the world and we see awful things happening, atrocities unfolding in different parts of the world, terrible crimes committed maybe in our community, and we and we wonder to ourselves, you know, how can God— put up with this? You know. How can, he, how can he allow this to continue for a moment longer? And as we grapple with that and then look to the scriptures and discover that God is giving people opportunity, he's giving us opportunity to respond to the offer of salvation that we might be spared his judgment, it's a, it's a remarkable thing about his character that we learn. And I think in that grappling we go deeper into the heart of God and, and see his extraordinary grace and patience.
1: We're going to continue to look at his grace and his patience today, so hope you will stay with us as we begin the message, The Patient God. Here is Jonathan.
0: Patience is not something that comes easily to any of us, and for some of us, being patient is a major challenge. When we want something, normally we want it now. When someone or something irritates us, our reaction tends to be quick. We like action. We don't much like waiting. We've spent a number of weeks together considering the character of God, the attributes of God. And in this final week of the series, we do come to consider the patience of God. Perhaps at the end of quite a long series, one that has been delivered in stages over more than a year now, perhaps it is especially fitting to consider the theme of patience. I guess you may feel that your patience has been tested somewhat as you've looked forward to moving on to something new and something different. But patience, it is vital to our understanding of who God is. And what God is like. Were it not for God's patience, you and I would not be here at all. Each one of us is the beneficiary of the extraordinary patience, the long-suffering of God. In a sense, the whole story of the Bible is the story of the patience of God. As we read the Bible and follow the story from cover to cover, we hear the message loud and clear. Our God, the God of the Bible, is abundantly patient. The story begins at the start of the book of Genesis with the creation of a perfect world and the creation of human beings to live in this world and to enjoy this world. We were given this extraordinary privilege of direct access to God, a relationship with God himself in the garden. God gave us human beings all that we needed for a life of flourishing and a life of joy. As we follow the story, we see that almost immediately we human beings threw all that back in God's face, declaring in essence that we don't trust the God who made us, we don't trust that he's going to do us good and that he intends the very best for us. And at the moment of rejection and of rebellion, the creator God, he would have been well within his rights to call time on the human race, to call time on planet earth, and to wipe the slate clean. But of course, we know he, he, he didn't do that. He allowed things to continue and he allowed things to develop. And as things continued and as things developed, the problem of sin escalated. Things got worse and worse. And a few generations later, by Genesis 6, God had this to say. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord." Noah found favor, and so the Lord showed patience. He warned Noah, and as you know the story, he instructed him to build an ark to save himself and his family, along with animals from all the different species as well. And while Noah took time to build that ark, and it would have taken some time, God waited He he held off destroying all life on earth. Reflecting on those days in the New Testament, Peter says that they were days, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, they were days when God's patience waited, says Peter. In his patience, God allowed Noah and his family to prepare and through them, he allowed humanity itself to survive. And so in a very tangible sense, in a very real sense, our existence today, the fact that we are here listening to this message, it is entirely due to the fact that our God is a patient God. The flood and the fresh start with Noah soon led to more sin and more disappointment, but God didn't give up. He called to himself a family, a nation, the people of Israel, eventually rescuing that nation from slavery in Egypt and taking them to their own promised land. On the journey to that land, on the journey to Canaan, God gave to his people a special covenant. He gave to them his law. While the great Moses was up Mount Sinai receiving that law from God, the people down below, we read in the book of Exodus, they turned to idolatry. And so when Moses came down the mountain and saw the idolatry and the reveling that was going on in the camp below, he smashed the tablets of the law in grief and in anger. And in Exodus chapter 34, and you might like to turn to this, in Exodus 34, we are given an extraordinary insight into the patient character of God. This all could have been the moment where God gave up on his people when he finally closed the door on humanity. But no, Exodus 34 and verse 1, do follow with me. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone Like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. See, God's willing to try again as an act of sheer patience. And so Moses does that. He goes up the mountain to meet him. And the Lord makes himself known on that occasion to Moses in a very special way. And this is verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger." A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The incident at Sinai wasn't the end of it, of course. The wilderness years were years, as we read the account in the Old Testament, they were years of grumbling and complaining on the part of the people. In the book of Acts in the New Testament, when reflecting on those wilderness years in chapter 13 and verse 18, the author Luke writes that for about 40 years he, that is the Lord, put up with them, the Israelites in the wilderness. For 40 years he put up with them. The Lord is slow to anger. A God of patience. A God of extraordinary patience. That's who he is. That's what he's like. And for centuries and generations, the people tested God's patience and regularly invited his judgment. But in his patience, in his gracious and merciful patience, God didn't abandon them. And he didn't give up on them. In patience, he fulfilled his plan of salvation. Even sending his son ultimately to die for a people who were entirely undeserving. The truth about God that God revealed to Moses, it is repeated again and again in the Old Testament. Actually, in quite similar terms each time. It is something of a biblical refrain. Let me just share a few of these verses. Numbers 14 and verse 18 The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Psalm 86 in verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 103 verse 8 Psalm 145, uh, verse 8, again and again and again it's repeated. Joel chapter 2 and verse 13, the prophet says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. In case we should miss the point, the scriptures reinforce it again and again. It is God's character to be patient, to hold back his anger, to hold back his judgment, to bear with his people, to give opportunity for repentance. Now, as we consider the fact that God is patient, we should pause to acknowledge the fact that patience is a virtue that actually receives mixed reviews in our world today. You and I, we, we always appreciate it when people are patient toward us personally. If we're late for an appointment, we're grateful if a little patience is extended. Some months ago, I, I was getting myself ready in the morning, brushing my teeth or whatever, getting organized for the day, and I saw a calendar notification pop up on my phone showing that I had a dentist appointment commencing not in 15 minutes or in 30 minutes, but Right now at the present moment, I had evidently booked the first appointment of the day six months earlier when I set up the appointment thinking, you know, this is going to be a real efficiency to get it out of the way first thing in the morning. But then I clean forgot that I had the appointment. I managed to pull myself together and get inside the door at the dentist's office about 15 minutes later, 15 minutes late for the appointment. I was anticipating being uh, charged a no-show fee and you know, sent on my way, but instead uh, they had patiently waited for me and, and they graciously took the appointment. There was patience on the part of the staff there and, and I greatly appreciated it that morning. If you get into financial difficulty and the bank or the lender shows you patience in letting you pay the bill or or, or pay the mortgage over time, you're grateful. If you're late for a big meeting at work and and the boss is forgiving and doesn't reprimand you or embarrass you in front of the team, you're, you're grateful. We appreciate patience being shown to us personally. But when it comes to leaders, to people in positions Of power, we sometimes view patience as a weakness. On on a global scale, if there's no direct retaliation to an act of war, the population might cry out for action. In the political sphere, if a political enemy is not crushed, the leader is derided as feeble. In the world of work, if a poorly performing employee is not let go immediately, the boss is written off as ineffective. A strong leader is tough and decisive. And an effective leader may well have a short fuse, and that's no bad thing, says the world around us. But but it's very interesting, and I was quite struck by this as I studied this theme in the scriptures. It's very interesting how the Bible links God's great power together with his Patience. In fact, as far as the Bible is concerned, God's patience is not a denial of his power, but it is rather an outworking of his power. God shows his great power in restraining his anger, in holding back his judgment, in showing patience. Listen to Nahum uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. This is very interesting. Nahum 1 and verse 2. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. His patience, it is a product of his power. It is not a denial of his power. The Puritan Stephen Charnock writes that people who are great in the world are quick in passion and not so ready to forgive an injury or bear with an offender. It is a want of power over that man's self that makes him do unbecoming things upon provocation. A prince that can bridle his passions is a king over himself As well as over his subjects, God is slow to anger because he is great in power. Our great God, the sovereign over all things, the all-powerful one, he is abundantly patient. Now, if that's what God is like, and it is what he is like according to the scriptures... What, what is the outworking of this truth? What are the uh, results and the effects of the patience of God? And how are we to respond to his abundant patience toward us?
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, and I hope you'll stay tuned. We're going to come back and answer those questions in just a few moments. Our message today is called The Patient God. It's the last message in our series who is like our God. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in this series, you can always come to our website and you can listen online. You can stream the program through your computer or mobile device, or you could download an MP3 for free and listen whenever it's convenient for you. Just stop by EncounterTheTruth.org. That's EncounterTheTruth.org. All right, let's get back to our message once again. Here is Jonathan.
0: Well, I think there are a number of ways in which we see God's patience serving his wider plans, his wider priorities, and I'd like to consider three of them together. The first is this, in exercising his patience, God displays his glory. I was at the post office the other day waiting in line and as I looked out the window a very impressive German sports car, a bright blue convertible, brand new it looked like, drove up. This wasn't a sort of standard run-of-the-mill car, it was a, it was a real sports car. Anyway this car drove up and, and stopped, the driver came in, uh, mailed a letter or something and then drove off very, very slowly and, and very, very carefully. We were out for a walk in the neighborhood the other day, and as we were walking as a family, a bright red Ferrari drove by us, again, very sedately, very carefully, undoubtedly keeping to the very low speed limit in the neighborhood. And I thought to myself, on reflection, having seen a couple of these expensive and impressive sports cars in the neighborhood, I thought to myself, you know, It must be rather unsatisfactory owning a car like that. I wasn't feeling sorry for the owners or anything, but I I did think it it must be rather unsatisfactory owning a car like that and having to drive it at 40 kilometers an hour, you know, puttering along these roads to the grocery store or to the post office or whatever. I gather that the Ferrari P80 has a top speed of 211 miles an hour and does 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds. Now, to my knowledge, there is nowhere around here where you could let a car like that loose. (laughs) You can't even begin to test out its capability. Without risking a very unhappy encounter with the police, you will never be able to drive that car as it was built to be driven. Its power and capability and capacity will never be demonstrated, never be seen. We might ask ourselves why it is that God bears with sinful humanity as he does. We might ask why he has been so patient in the outworking of his salvation plan. Why has he just not brought things to an end, brought things to a conclusion? Well, we won't know the full answer to that, I suppose. But part of the answer, at least... Is that in bearing with this world as he does. God has an occasion to exercise and show something of the majesty of his patience. Which might otherwise not be seen. Which otherwise might not be displayed in the same way and to the full extent. In these days... When God is bearing with sinful humanity and delaying his judgment, we are given a display of his long-suffering goodness. We are able to see the majesty of his patience. In Romans chapter 9, in the midst of a discussion of why it is that God creates some people who will never be saved, it's a very hard topic of conversation, Paul turns to this whole subject of God's patience, And he tells us that God's patience with those who will never actually repent, his patience with such people actually serves to highlight his glory. Romans 9 and verse 22. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Somehow, In some way, God's patience in bearing with his enemies, his patience in enduring sin and rebellion and all the rest, it shows his glory in a very special way to those who will be saved. It highlights the wonder of salvation. It shows us the sheer power and goodness and majesty of God in his patience. God could have pulled the plug long ago. He could have rained down judgment on his enemies centuries, millennia ago. I think that if we read through the whole of the Old Testament and see the story of the people's rebellion against God, their faithlessness, their ingratitude, one of our dominant questions as we read that narrative, one of our dominant observations must be this. How can God be so very, very patient? If we review world history over the last two millennia, and see a chronicle of war and of genocide and of hatred and of injustice and of cruelty and immorality and all the rest, we must step back and wonder at the fact, marvel at the fact that God has allowed it all to continue as he has allowed it to. See, we would have given up long before if the decision had been up to us. But God has exercised his extraordinary power of restraint, his patience. And as the saved people of God observe that, as you and I observe that, we see more of his glory, don't we? And we are moved to praise and adoration.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called The Patient God. It's the final one in our series, Who is Like Our God? And if you missed any of the broadcasts in this series, you can always come to our website and listen to what you missed. Just stop by EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth does depend on your generosity to keep this program on this station. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel. And Jonathan, I understand you appreciate this book so much you've actually used this in your home church
0: yeah we've just finished working through this book as an elder study for our our leaders within the church and we found it to be so rich and helpful it was just good for our our hearts and for our personal discipleship because the call of this book is to live in a manner worthy of the gospel and if we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we want to do that, and we need to be encouraged and helped and reminded to do that all the time. And this rich but very accessible and pretty brief study is a tremendous encouragement in doing that very thing. We were helped by it, and we were grateful for it ourselves.
1: Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or over the phone when you call 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884. Or again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can also write us at EncounterTheTruth, 2176 Prince of Wales Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, 2KE0A1. Or in the U.S. at Encounter the Truth, 215 North Arlington Heights Road, number 102. Arlington Heights, Illinois, six zero 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 four. For Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.